0: The following podcast has been brought to you by Catholic Digital Resources. Visit the website catholicdr.com for downloadable parish resources. At Catholic Digital Resources, you can find faith-building bulletin inserts on the Sunday Scriptures, RCIA materials, ready-made PowerPoints for catechists, faith-sharing materials for Bible study groups and small Christian communities, and much more. Download Faith Formation Resources and Evangelization tools from Catholic Digital Resources at catholicdr.com.
1: In the last episode of these Footsteps to Heaven podcasts, I talked about how to let go of the things that do not work in bringing our loved ones to Christ. I would like to continue with that theme in this podcast, but this time going into What God's role is in bringing our loved ones to Christ, bringing conversion to those that we care so much about, that we are praying for them to bring Christ into their daily life, and we are praying to be able to spend eternity with them, that their souls will be saved and will get to heaven. Come Holy Spirit and help us to receive from you what you want us to learn today what you want us to know, what you want us to be reassured of. Lord, I ask you to help me to speak what you want me to speak and open the ears and the minds and the hearts of the podcast listeners to hear only what you want them to hear and learn only what you want them to learn. Okay, Jesus said in John 14, 12, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these. What are the works of Jesus that this scripture is talking about? Everything that Jesus did was ultimately for the sake of the salvation of souls. Preaching the truth was just part of how he served as Savior. As we know, he also did supernatural works healing diseases, raising people from the dead, multiplying food, and so forth. And then he tells us that if you believe in me, you will do the same things. You will do what I do, and even greater ones than these. When Jesus sent his disciples out to help him with his mission, you know, while he was still walking on the earth, there was times when he sent people out ahead of him into the towns to start practicing what he was teaching about how to evangelize and to prepare the way in those towns for them to be receptive to what jesus was going to do there once he got there he gave them in sending them out the power to do the works that he was already doing later after his death and resurrection and ascension to heaven He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower every follower of Christ, that's you and me too, to do the same and even greater works. In other words, doing more than Jesus during his three earthly years of life, more than he did to save souls and change the world for the kingdom of God. Because he is multiplying himself through us. His presence is now multiplied into the world through us or that's what he's trying to do. Preaching the truth was just part of how he served as Savior. Preaching the truth is to be just part of how we are his instruments, his disciples sent out as apostles. An apostle is a disciple who's learned from Christ, a disciple, is a student, and now is sent out to continue what the teacher was doing, what the teacher's mission was. Apostles. We are apostles sent out to continue the mission of Christ. This includes what John 14:12 tells us, all the works of Jesus, and even more so, more than what he did. I don't know about you, but I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet. You know, or walked on water, but I do think sometimes I, in this ministry, I do walk on water, in a sense of this ministry has a staff. This ministry has expenses that, um, in order to provide our services for free, we need donor support for. So, by the way, if you want to help us in our mission, if you want to help Jesus do His mission through Good News Ministries, please go to our website gnm.org and look for the donate button in the nav bar and please 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 make a donation because we literally walk on the waters of not knowing how solid is the ground beneath us you know walking on water means that you're not walking on solid ground you're walking on something you can sink in and drown in and We've been doing this ministry since 1995 and we've had a staff since 2010 and we've been doing it because we are relying on God to keep us afloat, keep us above water. And he keeps doing that through the people he calls to partner with us. Maybe you're one of those people he's calling to partner with us. Here is one way that we at, on the good news ministry staff are living out, John 14:12. What are you doing that is supernatural? That is allowing God's supernatural works to be His instrument through your life, changing the world for Christ, leading others to faith in Christ, and increasing people's faith in Christ. The book of Acts of the Apostles is filled with evidence of how the first Christians continued the mission of Christ by fulfilling John 14:12, doing the works of Christ and even greater works. Signs and wonders give testimony to the truths that are preached. This is so important, let me repeat it. Signs and wonders give testimony to the truths that are preached. We cannot change people's minds with words alone. And that's really what I went into a lot in the last podcast. So if you haven't heard it yet, please go back to the previous podcast. But know this. Our words are important when they are timed right, spoken with the right tone of voice, the compassion, the Ability to listen to what the other person is saying and at, and listen to the Holy Spirit at the same time so that we know what to say and what not to say and how to say it. We need to speak the truth, but no words will ever convince somebody to change their mind unless they are already seeking that truth. If they are not yet seeking that truth, it just too quickly becomes an argument, a debate that pushes them away. The signs and wonders are what makes the difference because then it's not just us that's doing the work of bringing people to conversion, it is God bringing people to conversion. And it is only the Holy Spirit who can change people's minds. We can never do that, never ever, it won't work because this is a spiritual battle. And people are believing the lies that Satan promulgates through the world. This is a battlefield. It is a supernatural battlefield. And we need supernatural proof from God that he is stronger than evil, and that his truths are true. The truths that we are speaking are God's truths. It's God's seal of approval on the truth. It's God's convincing power. Signs and wonders are absolutely what makes the difference. Let's look in Scripture to see how this works, you know, as examples. St. Peter did this in Acts chapter 11. In this particular case, he was trying to convince other believers they were objecting to something that he had done. If you have anybody in your life who are fellow believers in Christ, but they are objecting to something you've done or want to do, and you know that what you're doing or wanting to do is something God has called you to do, and the people who are are in the way, other believers who are in the way of you doing the Lord's will, Your words are not going to change their minds. You need something more convincing. God needs to be the one that changes their minds. Let's look at how that happened with Peter. Peter had raised a few eyebrows when he broke the rules of tradition while ministering to non-Jews, the Gentiles. This is in Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Peter went to Jerusalem, and when he did, the circumcised believers, in other words, the Christians who had been originally Jews, they criticized him, and they said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them! Implied, you even ate the unclean foods that they serve with their meals. Because Jewish tradition was full of what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot eat, and Peter had broken some of these rules. So here's how Peter handled that. This is starting with verse four. Peter told them the whole story. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. Aha! God had done something supernatural, and this is what Peter's testimony was based on. He said, I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came to where I was. And he describes the vision. And in this vision, God is saying, Eat these unclean foods because I am sending you to the Gentiles. It's okay to eat these unclean foods that you've been told you should not eat, because I am sending you on a mission to the Gentiles. And in verse 9, Peter tells them, The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, Peter told them, and then this, this everything in this vision was pulled up to heaven again. Then he goes on as if that's not enough to convince them. God's supernatural vision that he gave to Peter as if that's not enough. God is a God of abundance and he had an abundance of evidence that Peter was doing the right thing. In verse 11, Peter says, Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. Right then, God's perfect timing God reveals himself in the timing of things. Keep that in mind as you're considering where is your evidence that God is calling you to something. Where is your evidence that God's truths are real, that you've learned something from God that is true and you're now trying to share that knowledge with others. God's timing goes right then, Peter says. Three men arrived at my house. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers, he said, also went with me, the six Jewish people involved in this Christian ministry. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house. That's verse 13. And the angel said, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So here we have God already doing something supernatural in the people that he was preparing to hear the truth. And Peter has learned that God is at work here, first and speaking to Peter, and then in speaking to the people he was to preach to. And this is part of his convincing argument to his objectors. And Peter says in verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So he is telling the people who are objecting to what he's done that it's all God's doing. It's all God's fault. Put the blame on God, you know. It's not Peter's doing. There was supernatural activity by God that was the convincing evidence that changed people's minds. As verse 18 says, When they heard this, they had no further objections, and they praised God. What about how to convince non-believers? Is there anything in Scripture that shows us how God changes the hearts of non-believers through his supernatural intervention? Let's look at a very tough case. Someone who is very, very opposed to the truth about Jesus. Paul. He was called Saul before his conversion. You know, he was going from house to house, yanking people out because they were believers in Christ, breaking families up, putting people in prison. He was determined to put an end to the Christian way. He was very anti-Christ, but God intervened in his life. I'm sure there were a lot of Christians who were praying for an end to what Paul was doing. You know, imagine this. Paul has come into somebody's home, into a family, broken in with soldiers and tore parents away from their children because the parents were going to church. And... The rest of the church community, when they heard about this and they took the, the kids into their own homes, they began praying, Lord, rescue these, these parents. And if, if they are destined to be martyrs, then, then Lord, make good come from this. And Lord, please, could you put a stop to what Paul is doing? Could you change Paul's heart? You know, we, there's lots of people in this world that are doing the enemy's work. And we like to point out what they are doing is evil. We also need to stop and pray for their salvation. I'm sure people were praying for Paul's salvation as part of their prayers to stop his persecution. The scripture doesn't say that, but it makes total sense. That's how things work in the kingdom of God. What happened to Paul. He's on his way. He's still determined to get more Christians and do away with them and to crush this Christian faith. On his way there, God does a direct intervention, blinding him with the light of Christ. Paul was blinded probably because he was in such darkness. And when somebody is immersed in darkness, the darkness of the false teachings of the world, the darkness of their own ways of thinking that are not God's ways of thinking, the darkness of sin. When people are living in darkness and we shed light on something that they're doing, we shed light on their sin, we shed light on their need for Christ, we shed light on the fact that they're going to hell if they stay on the path that they're in. When we shed light in their life or... And another way to shed life, by the way, is just being who you are in their life without speaking a word, but just being Christ. And they know that you're a Christian and they know that you think differently than they do. If you've got someone in your life who doesn't want anything to do with you, a loved one perhaps who has left the family, because you are a Christian, they are being affected by the light in you and they want to stay away from it. They, people want to stay in their darkness. If you're not sure why that works or how that works, think about this. In the middle of the night, you're having a good sleep, right? And it's dark out. And somebody comes into the room and turns on the light. How do you feel right then and there? Are you happy about it? No. So, I would say if you're like me, you're a bit peeved. And you just say, shut off the light, turn off the light, I'm trying to sleep. What are you, nuts? When people encounter the light in us, if they are not ready to change, they often leave us and want nothing more to do with us. Don't take it personally. They are rejecting the Christ in you. Remember what happened to St. Paul. God came and supernaturally intervened and stopped him in his tracks. And yes, the light blinded him because he was suddenly in the fullness of Christ's presence where the light has conquered the darkness. And now Paul's blindness to the truth has now become a physical blindness, but his heart is being converted because the Holy Spirit is speaking in his heart and is anointing his heart for change. And Jesus's voice is saying, Paul, you are persecuting me in killing these Christians. And Paul knew at that moment that Jesus was real. And the same passion that he had for Condemning Christians got turned into converting non-Christians. The people who are condemning your faith and condemning you for having faith can be another St. Paul, but we need to let God do the intervening. How does he do that? It happened all the time in the book of Acts. The early church... The, the, the first few centuries, even beyond the book of Acts, it happened all the time. Two thousand years later, much of the church, sadly, has lost the original fervor of that original church. Most of us have not been taught how to fulfill Christ's command to bring others to conversion. Yes, we know that we're supposed to share our faith. We're supposed to talk about it. And yes, we know we're supposed to live the faith in such a way that our lives prove the veracity of what we say. But something is missing here. It's not been working very well, has it? What's missing is something big. Something essential. Absolutely essential. It's God's divine supernatural intervention. Instead of relying on our own lives to prove the truths that we teach, we should be relying on God. Because, hey, we live the truth so imperfectly. You know, we sin every day. Instead of expecting our words to make a difference and then getting frustrated and angry because we don't succeed, we should and can expect God to do something supernatural. So how do we become like the first Christians, totally aware and believing in and trusting in God's supernatural divine intervention to change hearts for Christ? How do we become so alive in the faith that signs and wonders help us bring others to conversion? There's only one way, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is strengthened by what is often called the baptism of the Spirit, or as St. John the Baptist called it, the baptism of fire, which we heard St. Peter quoting in what I shared earlier from the book of Acts. It comes from asking for renewal. The renewal of the spirit in us that was given to us in our baptism, the baptism of water. It comes from asking the Holy Spirit to charge us up with his fire. It comes from asking Jesus to blow again afresh on us his breath so that we are filled with his Holy Spirit. When we receive the water baptism, We received the fullness of the Holy Spirit but we need to activate that in us. We need to live at our baptism. We need to rely on, through a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, what it means to have the Holy Spirit in us. We need a church set on fire and it begins with each of us being more set on fire than we are right now. And this happens through repenting of the ways that we are not on fire with the Lord and turning our personal relationship with Jesus into also a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. This happens best when we are in a community of spirit-filled people, but it doesn't have to be that way. The church has given us a wonderful prayer. We should all be praying this again and again as a church, and we are, in fact, doing that. The church is doing that as we prepare for Pentecost. Let us pray that God does a divine supernatural intervention in our whole body of the church on earth, the body of Christ on earth, to blow his wind much more through the pews, through our churches than we've seen so far. It begins with this personal prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. And this prayer of the church. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. They being all the faithful coming alive in the faith, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I would like to share now what I ended the last podcast with, Because at the end of each podcast, I share something that the Lord has given to me to share with you. I spend time before each podcast in prayer asking for a message, a vision, a word of knowledge, something that reveals his power, something that puts into practice what I'm teaching in this podcast. As I prayed about what to share at the end of this particular podcast, I felt the Lord telling me, repeat what I gave For the end of the previous podcast, because it is so important. I don't want anybody to miss it. And those who heard it before, I don't want them to forget about it. This is his message to all those listening to this podcast who have been praying desperately for the conversion of someone near and dear. God says, trust in me, rely on me. I know how much you care. I have given you a fraction of how much I care. I want you to feel a little of the depth of the pain that I feel as I watch my children turn their backs on me. Use this pain to keep you motivated to continue praying fervently because your prayers make a difference. They are making a difference, although you cannot see it right now we are fighting a battle together satan thinks he's winning but he is in fact not every demon in your loved one's life will lose this battle my son has already conquered evil on the cross and i your god am far far greater than what the enemy is doing trust in me i am not sitting idly by i am not ignoring the problems I care far more than you can imagine. So keep praying and increase your faith by spending more time deepening your relationship with me, your relationship with me. Repent of everything that diminishes our relationship. Work harder on that because I want to work miracles through you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders, or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.